Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Well It Path. In Psalm 26 this week, we're going to praise God and how He shapes our lives. But first, how was your week? So I received a video via text last Friday um, from my daughter. I opened it up and I get this video of my grandson standing up on his own without leaning against anything. And then he walks halfway across the room. He pauses, touches like a counter, the side of a counter, and then holds on for a second. Then he like lets go, turns around and walks back to the middle of the room. So I was at Cabela's actually picking up something that I had ordered when I got the text and I'm standing there in line and I just keep watching this video like over and over again, like smiling from ear to ear. Uh, I'd never seen him do that before. It, it, he just started doing it here recently. Um, we had had him the week before that on the weekend, but he wasn't doing that when he was here. And he's like walking, walking now for real. And I was just so proud and happy and excited for him and like thinking of how much fun we're going to have trying to keep up with him now. And as I was writing this down, I couldn't help but wonder, is that how God looks at us when we like take new steps in our faith? We're a little wobbly. We kind of look like shaky, unsure zombies walking, but then all of a sudden we get it and we lean into him completely and trust that he won't let us fall. And then we're off. And I kind of imagine him like looking at his son or one of the angels or even maybe sitting there with my grandpa Plemons or my grandpa Smith as he gets this big smile on his face and he's like, Hey, I've never seen Tom trust me like that before. I knew he would today. Still, I can't help but smile to see him do it. This is how much our Heavenly Father loves us. Our success in our walk with him is not just dependent on him. He rejoices and he smiles when he sees us in utter obedience to him. When we give our faith some legs and start running around with it instead of crawling around because we haven't figured that part out yet. But just like parents and grandparents, when we're learning, he holds our hand while we walk. He teaches us in his word how to walk in him. And then one day it clicks and we just trust him. We stand up in faith and we say, Lord, I trust your promises. I'm going to stand up and walk in faith this way you've set before me. And I'm going to walk in your power. And God just smiles. And he says, look at him go. I can't help but think that God was smiling at David when he saw how David's life was shaping up. Uh, from while David dealt with sin and devastation in his life, David had moved in this psalm to a place of trust in God, and he saw the difference that it was making in his life. Let's take a look and see at what we're talking about here in Psalm 26. Psalm 26, beginning in verse 1. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord 
Therefore, I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. I'll wash my hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I'll walk in mine integrity, redeem me, and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. Daddy, Daddy, look. It kind of seems to be David's cry in this psalm. I can remember my kids coming up to me when they had, had made something or created something as little kids. Uh, look what I made. And I'd take it and I'd look at it and I'd tell them that, oh, it was so good. Wow. How great was their imagination? How skilled their design? I didn't tell them that, you know, their lines weren't straight, that the horse wasn't supposed to be orange and that it had only four legs, not six. But they were emulating or applying something they had learned from me or Crystal. Something we had shown them or led them to, and they wanted to show us how they comprehended what they had been shown and how they understood our instruction. And so we would smile, and we'd make a big deal of how well they'd done because they had most certainly done whatever it was to the best of their ability. David knew this. Well, let's not think for a minute in this psalm that David is saying, Look, Lord, I've arrived. I finally got it all figured out. Which is why he starts with, Lord, I think I'm doing all right. I'm following your plan for me. Can you check and see if I'm right? Judge me. I've tried to walk in the best way I've learned from you. I've trusted in you. I've tried to follow you so closely to ensure that my foot wouldn't slip up anywhere. Am I doing okay, Lord? It's difficult for us sometimes to live this Christian life when we can't really hear our Heavenly Father say, keep it up. You're doing a good job. Because as human beings, we like that positive reinforcement. We like to know that we're on the right track. We may say, my walk would be so much more effective if God would just physically grab my hand and lead me to what he wants. But that doesn't sound like integrity, like us striving to obey him. That sounds a lot like, if I do this, will I gain your favor more? Can I be loved more? 
if I walk the way you've instructed? Well, is that how God works? Because the God of the Bible doesn't love you any more or any less based on how you serve him, how you worship him, or how close you walk with him. He loves you the same when you're right next to him as he does when you're a million miles away from him in your heart. Now, neither are true states of our proximity anyway. He's always just right there with us, no matter where we are, because that's how he loves us. He doesn't abandon us when we offend him, when we fail, when we falter. He grabs us by the hand and he pulls us up. Anyway, whew, that was a close one, Lord. Thanks for the save. It's just too often we simply don't reach for him. Too often we try to walk in our own integrity. Then we bring that to him and we ask, am I doing good? I did this all by myself without your help, without relying on you. Am I doing good? And meanwhile, God just shakes his head and you're missing the point. I don't want or need you to do it yourself. Let me help you. Let me do it if need be. God says, that's what I saved you for. You slid because you tried to walk in integrity you had for yourself not the integrity I've given you. So David asked him to look at the integrity David was claiming. Look, Lord, it's not my integrity. It's actually your integrity I've been operating in. Seriously, check it out. Examine me. Put me on trial. Look at every motivation for my integrity. Is it a show to impress you or am I letting you work in me because I'm impressed? And so thankful for how you love me and use me for your glory. Well, let it be the latter. Take everything and prop it up in your courtroom, Lord, and let everyone take a look at it. The saints of old, the angels, let them all examine it with a microscope. It only holds up if you're in it. And whatever you find, any proofs you discover, try them in the fire of your holiness, prove them. Melt them down, see if there's any impurity in them, any of me in them. And then just take all that stuff out. God didn't want, uh, um, David didn't want the Lord to do this so that the Lord could hold those things against him. That's not how our God works. Sometimes we're afraid to ask God to search our hearts and weigh our motivations because we're afraid that if he finds something, he's going to drag it out and put it on display and publish it for everyone to see. Wrong concept of God. Hey, Lord, can you examine my motivations and the integrity I claim in you? And if any of it isn't you, burn that stuff away. He's not going to hold it against us. In his righteousness, he is unable to judge us for something he's already forgiven us for. So he just removes those things and burns them out. And don't get me wrong, fire can hurt. But the cleansing fire that our Lord applies to us is one that allows us to emerge more complete in him when we've subjected ourselves to it. 
Would that we were so brave to ask him to examine and prove us daily. Hey, Lord, I don't feel like I'm holding anything back, but I know I'm not perfect. So there's something there or there's going to be something today that I don't know about. I'm going to smile when that coworker tries to flirt with me instead of shutting them down cold because I love you and I love my spouse. Lord, you know if that's going to happen. So burn it out ahead of time. Help me make the right decision and give me the right response. Lord, I, I, you know if I'm going to accidentally laugh at the inappropriate joke at work today because in my heart, I did find it funny. Lord, rid my heart of that ugliness and help me to not laugh and respond as you would respond. Lord, I'm going to be tempted today to sit with my friends and make fun of someone we don't like, someone we think doesn't align with our definition of being put together or part of our circle. And I would join in because I'm proud and I like to feel better than other people. But Lord, would you burn that out of me and let me respond with love and grace and stand up for that person? We never know those things are going to happen. But we do know that we're prone to those things. So let's ask the Lord to examine us, to prove us, to ensure in his power that our integrity doesn't falter because we're relying on his integrity and not our own. Well, then comes the really hard part. Lord, test my resolve refine my reliance on you. Lord, because I can't avoid all of these situations, strengthen me the way a blacksmith would temper steel to make it stronger. Lord, give me the strength to be in these situations and to respond the right way. And not just in my actions, but in my thoughts. Guard me from the thoughts to just allow these things to happen. To let my thoughts wander into the realm that doesn't glorify you. To, uh, without saying the things or doing the things, to not even think the things that I know my flesh finds so easy to do. Because maybe I don't smile at the coworker, but I let the thoughts of where that road may lead dwell in my mind. I don't think those thoughts because I rely on you. I trust in you. I've asked you to burn those things out of me and I cast down vain imaginations in your power. And Lord, do the same with my heart. You know I want to glorify you. So test and temper my heart until all of my desires are towards you and what you want for my life. I keep your goodness in front of me to remind me that I can only be good in you. Lord, it's not that I want you to see how good I can be. I want you to see the good you've wrought in me, the good you've redeemed me to. To look at how excellent you are. 
you took someone who would have never been able to ask you to look at my thoughts and my heart, and you've laid both of those things open before you, where now I don't care if you look, because I've allowed you to root all of those things I would have been ashamed of out. And now I can just stand here a testament to your power and your glory. Lord, this is how I walk in your truth. I trust in you. I believe that your every word is truth. So what, what else would I follow? No more can I go and sit with those or keep company with those that pursue empty desires, empty goals, empty lives. I can't be around them very long until I start speaking of you and praising you. Well, and then they don't want to be around me anymore because they don't want to hear about you. So I just don't go hang out with them anymore. Lord, I'd rather hang out with people that love you anyway. With people that want to also be examined by you, refined by you. People who want your glory to shine through in their lives. Now, those, those empty pursuits may have meant something to me before I started following you, but now... All I see is that they meant nothing because you weren't in them. And Lord, when I follow you, I don't go to places where people do things they like to hide either. That's what, that's what this word dissembler means in this passage. David is saying, Lord, I used to go to places when I wanted to hide things from people. There were secret things I wanted to keep hidden from others' eyes. Maybe you were the same way. And now like David, maybe you can say, I, I just don't care to go to those places. I definitely don't care to hang out with people that want to keep hidden sins. Those, those dirty secrets, people hide behind their masks of feigned joy and false happiness. You and I know those people. The guy who just can't stop having affairs. Oh, it's not the affairs that are his secret. His secret is that he thinks he's not good enough for anyone, so he seeks validation in anyone. Or maybe his actual secret is narcissism. He just loves himself so much that, hey, hey, everyone should. That's his dirty little secret. His visible sin is his lust, but his root sin is the idol of self. Or maybe it's the woman who's always talking down other people in her life, even her boyfriend or her husband or her kids. Maybe her secret hidden thing is that she just doesn't feel good enough, so the only way for her to be happy is to make others miserable. Her visible sin is always putting down other people, but her secret sin is that she's so full of anxiety that someone will see that she's just empty inside. So she lies and puts other people down to fill that up. And there, there's so many sins that go deeper. The alcoholic, the drug addict, people that cut themselves. They all have a secret sin that lies just below the surface of their visible sin. A visible sin that they're using to cover up their secret one. And David is saying, Lord, in you... I have no need to hide. You know me better than I know myself. 
I don't go around those people or hang out with them because I used to be one of them and you freed me from it. So much so that I hate being around those that don't live life in the light of your presence. I've distanced myself from them and their influence because you've shown me it's not profitable for me to be around them. I see now that anything they do is evil because if it's not in your service for your glory, well, what good is it? And thousands of years later, Paul would say, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Does that mean that we should give God glory when we wake up, give God glory in our day, give God glory in every moment? Well, yes. But how is that even possible? Well, like David, we have to say, examine me. Prove me. Evaluate my thoughts and my feelings until they only reflect you, Lord. We don't live this way because we don't ask not because God can't do it. Do we dare like David to wash our hands in innocency? Can we? What David means here is that when he comes in to worship God, he'll wash his hands as a symbol of his pure heart, not as an act to purify his heart. He's saying, Lord, I'm going to serve you because I love you so much, because I'm so thankful for your love and grace not so you can love me more or show me more favor. Maybe we should say, I'm going to come to church reconciled with you, drawn close to you, so that when the worship starts, I'm not using it to get in the mood to glorify you. I'm already glorifying you, so I'm all in from the beginning. Really, in the mood to glorify God? How would we feel if he only showed us grace when he was in the mood? If he only reached out to us and worked in our lives when he was in the mood? Maybe we should try coming to a worship service already prayed up for the day. Already letting the Holy Spirit examine, prove, and try our thoughts and our hearts for the morning. And see how it changes our lives. We so often try to use the singing in our worship services to prepare our hearts for the message of the worship service, but we need to walk into the building ready and glowing like a forged piece of iron because God has already burned all the trash away. And now because we've let him warm us and that purge us and temper us with that fire, we can be molded and conformed to the image of his son. And David says, this is how I come to your altar. This is how I enter into worship you, to commune with you. Search my heart. You know it's true because you dwell there, Lord. And Lord, I'm going to shout it. I'm going to make sure everyone knows how good you are. There won't be a doubt in anyone's mind that I am redeemed, set free, given a new name, secure forever, blessed beyond measure, made perfect in you. I'm going to sing of your wondrous works. The most wondrous? That you saved a wretch like me. I was lost and you found me. 
I was hell-bound and you rescued me, restored me, quickened me to life when I was dead in my trespasses and sins. You raised me from the darkest pits of my sin and despair and made me brand new. Lord, you set a new robe on me. You put your ring on my finger and said, I'm your child, your heir. I was an orphan, lost and alone, and you accepted me as soon as I ran to you for forgiveness. You fixed every broken part in me. And that's, that's why I love going to your house where your people get together. Because just like me, they can't believe how good you are. They honor you with their praise and with their lives, and it's evident when we get together in your house. And Lord, we get fired up. We're ready to be molded and remolded, and when we're broken, we're ready to be healed. Lord, heal us again. Let us honor you in everything that we do. Lord, you're honored among your people. That's where your honor dwells. Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated to you so that you're honored in my worship, my life, my thoughts, in my feelings, in my heart, in my home. I just want to honor you. Can you identify with David? Do we want the Lord to be that intimate with us? Are we ready to be that intimate with him? to really let him in to every facet of our lives, every thought, everything? Can we give it to him? Is it worth the joy of knowing him in this way? And David asked God to keep him away from those that want to sin. Not from all sinners, but those that revel in it. Lord, keep me away from those that are guilty and just don't care. Keep me in your way and help me to stay away from the pitfalls of doing wicked and perverse things. Keep me from having to bargain with you. Why do we think that David asked God to keep him from those things, to not lump him in with those people? Because David knew that that was his natural state. That's where his fleshly desires were. Are we quick to ask God for forgiveness from our sin or are we more apt to ask God to keep us from them? Are we more lead us not into temptation or do we spend more time on forgive us our trespasses? What would our lives look like if we spent more time praying to be kept from those sins that we fall into so easily? instead of asking forgiveness for them after the fact. We should be a little more like David and ask God to just keep us from those things. Can we be a little more proactive in our request to be kept from sin? The closer we draw to him, the more things we'll be able to identify as sin in our lives. And would it not be a benefit for us then to ask him to keep us from those things? David thought so. I'm inclined to agree. Because in doing so, we can keep ourselves from having to bargain with the Lord. Hey, Lord, I know I did this again, but it was because of this situation or this thing that happened to me. 
Lord, can I just keep a little bit of the sins? Okay, maybe not sins plural, but can I keep a little bit of this one sin? So we prop the door open and we make sure we can see that sin just on the other side of the door. It's not in the room. It's just on the other side of the door. And while we're looking at that sin through the open door, a bunch of other sins are sneaking in right under our noses because we propped the door open. Like David, we need to say, nah, Lord, keep me from those things completely so I'm not lumped in with those type of people at all. Help me to walk in you, the giver, the provider of my integrity, the root of my integrity. Well, how do I have any integrity at all? Lord, it's only in your redemption. So be merciful to me, Heavenly Father. I'm not good without you. And any good I am is because of you in me. It's only in your mercy and grace, Lord, that I can stand on level ground. I'm not trudging up the slope. I'm not slipping down it. I'm walking to you on even ground because your expectation of me is to just trust you. See, walking up a hill would be me relying on my works to get to you. So I would obviously have times where I would slip down the hill. And then I have to make up all that lost ground and struggle forward again to gain any at all. But in you, you say, just trust me. I've leveled the hill. Just keep walking. Lord says, that's all I ask. Follow the way I've laid out for you. If you get lost along the way, I'm only as far away as you crying out to me, but there's, there's not any ground to make up. I just transport you right back to where you should be. And like David, when that realization hits you, we'll sing in the choir blessings to the Lord. How can we be silent considering so great a salvation? David spends this entire psalm saying, Abba, look at what you've done in me and not look at what I've done for you. What have you let him do in you lately? Thanks for walking with me a while as we read the word together. Won't you join me again next week and we'll walk just a little further? If you like the podcast, go ahead and hit that follow button. If you have any questions about salvation or general podcast questions, uh, reach out to us via email at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Facebook by looking for LWBC underscore publications.